0: And welcome to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Roddy, and today we will be talking about musicals, Sondheim, Bernstein, Berlin, and maybe even some inevitable Lloyd Webber. (laughs) That, plus some Elton John, some Paul Williams, possibly Lerner and Lowe. We will talk about our favorite musicals, what we admire most about them, and also talk about some musicals that either just don't work or that we just can't stand. The Ferndale Library cultivates dozens upon dozens of film adaptations of musicals beyond just Broadway, so we encourage you to come browse. This is also an early preview for our upcoming movie trivia event in April, which will focus on musicals. Joining me is Cricket. Hello. Simon. Hey. And Mary Graham. Hi. <laughs> Say you'll share with me. No. <laughs> one pod. No. One podcast. Why would you?
1: There's that is... so many wires in this room. I can't walk
0: out. I can't leave. <laughs> that is Jeff's contribution to this podcast. That is dear Beautiful. listeners,
1: Jeff is in the room with us. And is Jeff in the room with us now? He is. He's <laughs> not Mike, but he's here. So we're not safe. <laughs> From oh, oh now he's
0: pantomiming. Now he's pantomiming. So do we have a favorite musical?
2: Yes. The pantomime of the opera. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh Cricket. The betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, God. I have never pretended to be anything <laughs> other, other than, than what I am. Right here. And we
1: love you for it. <laughs> um Mary Graham. What is my favorite musical? Yes. It is Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. uh, And I noticed that that initial list of composers we might cover contains some blatant Dave Malloy erasure. Don't worry, Dave. I'm here. I'm here and I'm bearing your standard. (laughs) Uh, Yes, my, the thing that I'm really looking forward to discussing today is my favorite musicals based on enormous works of 19th century literature, which to quote Phineas and Ferb, if I had a nickel for every time, I'd have two nickels, which is not a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Simon?
3: Um. Well, my incredibly niche pick is going to be Phantom of the Paradise, um, which is a very ridiculous movie scored and starring Paul Williams. But if I had to go for a mainstream pick, it would be Les Mis. Got
2: it. Solid. Yeah. And you, Cricket. I have a tie Ooh. between Pippin. Okay, and, and everyone's going to be shocked to hear this, the Muppet movie, <laughs> just technically a musical. Also Paul Williams. And also Paul Williams. Did you know Muppets were going to be involved in this, Mary Graham? No, but I'm delighted. Again, I have never <laughs> pretended to be anything. Oh, no. And I wish
1: <laughs> you can't see my face because mask, but I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I'm just like, how did that not even occur to me? Of course, Muppets.
2: They're always on my mind. <laughs> what about you, Roddy? What's your favorite? Uh, plot twist. I don't have a favorite
0: because I can't pick. <laughs> <laughs> I am too indecisive. I love too many musicals. And also, as I was driving to work today, thinking about musicals to the backdrop of like, do you hear the people sing playing on loop in my mind <laughs> while Beyonce was also playing? It was chaotic in that drive. I was just wow. thinking about the fact that pretty much everything I've ever consumed has been musical. Mm. So from children's movies to just TV specials, everything is always like it's going to come back to a musical at some point. And I was just like, how do I possibly choose a favorite? Do I choose of the ones that I've actually gotten to see? Do I choose of the albums that I know back to front, front to back? And I was like, or I can just not choose because it's Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that was the option that I went with. And yeah, this kind of came about because I walked up to Jeff and I was like, The Phantom of the Opera is not an opera. Mm. And. That was what prompted all of this because most of my fascinating thoughts are prompted by me wanting to argue about something that no one was arguing (laughs) against me about. And (laughs) I was just like, you know, today needs a hot take. And it was just about the Phantom of the Opera, which I don't hate, to be clear. The movie is terrible. The movie is god awful. Yeah. But I don't necessarily hate the Phantom of the Opera. It's just also not an opera. And... It's, Did someone say it was an opera? People oftentimes might think that it is. Because it has opera odd. in the title. Yes.
1: But it okay. is extremely nineteen eighties British invasion. Yes, there's a it's lot a musical. of there's a lot of synths happening. Yes, oh. like yeah. I grew I grew up with the original London cast recording because my parents believe in the original cast recording of everything. So like yeah. Michael Crawford, one of the best Phantoms, Sarah Brightman, one of the worst Christines. Um, and, <laughs> you know it's true. It's so true. Um, and listening <laughs> listening to the original album is like. Holy eighties orchestrations, Batman. Yes. Wasn't, um, wasn't
3: she married to Andrew Lloyd? Yes, Weber she at the was. Time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh my favorite review of <laughs> Phantom, <laughs> I was about to say you have Nepo babies and you have Nepo wives in <laughs> yeah. yeah. your earlier
3: spouses. Favorite,
1: my favorite review of Phantom <laughs> of the Opera says something along the lines of the Phantom of the Opera is the story of a talented composer uh, and horrifically ugly man who's in love with Sarah Brightman. It you would know. be extremely rude to suggest that this is in any way autobiographical.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing is, the last time I watched Phantom of the Opera, I watched the, um, the pro shot that they did at, I think, the Royal Albert for one mm-hmm. of the big anniversaries, and I remember sitting there thinking, is this good? Irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. Am I having a good time? I am.
0: Yes. Because it is campy. It is. And God, sometimes I just love camp. It is vibes. I know I use that word too much now, but that's just because also the characterizations are never, there's never any sort of consistent one. Like with adaptations you'll have, okay, this director wanted this take on this character, wanted them to be played this way. But with the Phantom of the Opera... It is whatever the performer feels like doing that night. night. Like, there's no consistency whatsoever. As
1: opposed to, for example, because I feel (laughs) like Phantom gets paired. In a lot of people's minds, or at least in a lot of theater kids' minds, with *Lame is Rob*, mm-hmm. which I mean, yeah. not the same creative team, but come out extremely close together. Both extremely long-running, both opened on the West End and transferred to Broadway, and basically have kind of dominated. Of like a white face as the logo, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also that. Um,
3: and they both have high school adaptations they, that are easily licensable. They sure, by, they sure yeah, do. But directors. the thing
1: about the thing about *Lame as Rob*, which I'm very interested to get into because I know we all have opinions about it, is that I find it a pretty decent adaptation of the book
3: yes yes like
1: it does a solid <laughs> job of capturing the tone of the brick that victor hugo wrote <laughs> oh. in a two and a half hour musical um, which is no mean feat i think Rattie it does like better has a hot it, take. it does better i think than a lot of straight up um
3: oh i have adap- like take. film
1: adaptations <laughs> yes. including the most recent bbc miniseries andrew davies We have to stop letting you do things.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. Mary Graham just like unlocked a visceral like childhood memory from when I had gotten really into the Phantom of the opera when I was a kid. And I was like, I am going to read the original book. And I did. And I was like, oh, holy crap. What the heck? (laughs) Why was this romanticized to the extent that it was? I love the original
1: book because it
0: is bonkers. It's so crazy. I hate to use that word, but it's wild. It's just absurd. And I was reading it in my little brain and I was just like... And someone thought that this guy was sexy. Like, I was just Well, like, again, it would be rude to suggest it wasn't in any way autobiographical like, well, and this, yet. This little sickly mean murder man is like now this big sex symbol.
2: Are we doing kink shaming here? <laughs> I
0: mean, everyone is entitled to their little mean murder man. But I'm just saying, like... <laughs> What the musical told me was happening and what Gaston LaRue intended were not <laughs> the same thing. So, yes, in terms of like faithful adaptations, the Phantom of the Opera has left the chat permanently. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: And there's never been a good film adaptation
1: of the book either. Oh, gosh. Oh, Chef, why, why would you force me to look upon... The perfectly normal visage of Gerard Butler in yes, the film. Yes,
0: because yeah. they were just like, uh, well, we can't make him too ugly. He also is not a little mean murder man. Who
2: is a good little mean murder man that we would like to see playing the
3: Phantom? Um, listen.
2: I'm listening. <laughs>
3: listen, if we're going to do the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical again as a movie, it should be the Muppets. Kermit should be the Phantom. If we're not going to have him be a little mean murder man... Like, yeah. <laughs> but can you let, just him doing, let him let the, doing conjuring the, arms? Yeah. the
1: arms? Yeah. When the chandelier comes down. Yes. Exactly.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Miss Piggy is Christine, obviously. And then you know, let the conjuring guy still play Raoul. It's fine, <laughs> Patrick Wilson. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: yes, I, I support this. I really, really. I do. don't know if I can get
2: behind Kermit as the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Pepe, that little um <laughs> the shrimp? Yeah, he's like a I think he's a prawn. <laughs>
3: yeah, but I can't I can't hear him hitting those notes any better than Gerard Butler did. That's the thing. But would Kermit? (laughs) But that's the thing is you don't expect Kermit to be able to hit the notes. I feel
0: like Kermit could bring the heart to the role.
3: What we need to do is
1: we need to find an actor who used to be a British choir boy because here's the thing. The other middle of the Venn diagram between Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables, two nickels, it's weird that it happened twice, is that Michael Crawford grew up singing treble as a a boy soprano in an Anglican choir Mm -hmm. when he was a kid. And that's part of why music of the night sounds the way it does as he was trained from a very young age Mm -hmm. how to sing that high. Mm -hmm. Same with Colm Wilkinson. I believe he was also a choir boy and that's why Bring Him Home is set up there because he was practicing it alone in his dressing room trying to keep his voice down so he tossed it up an octave and somebody was passing by his dressing room and was like, Oh that sounds good, we should keep it up there. Mm-hmm. And every actor who ever followed him ever since was like, Jesus Christ, called why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so as someone who herself sings in an Anglican church choir, I'm like, yes, boy sopranos trebles represent <laughs> <sighs>
3: All right. I will tell you about Phantom of the Paradise if you so it's directed by Brian De Palma. First off, the Untouchables guy. So it's like, what if the Untouchables guy made Rocky Horror Picture Show, but with an insane budget and by insane, I mean like it cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. and it's also scored by Paul Williams, the Muppets guy. Except the plot of the movie is essentially if you mashed up Faust and Phantom of the Opera. I'm listening. Yeah. And exactly. uh, the music is like if if the Muppets were coked out and full of self-loathing. Wow. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you don't like thinking about it, but you know exactly what it means, Cricket.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, and that is Phantom of the Paradise. It is. It's an incredible little weird movie. Um, I love it to bits. I bump the soundtrack regularly in my car mm-hmm. uh, because it also goes through genres a lot. Ooh. The um, the character that Paul Williams plays, not to spoil too much, but he is a record executive, so he's always on the hunt for the next big thing. So the music swings from, like, 50s rock revival to there's, like, a KISS-esque sequence. There's glam rock. There's... Um, like folk rock, there's, it's, it's a lot like of Joseph things. It's like
1: and the Amazing Technicolor yeah. Dreamcoat. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah,
3: except the Muppets guy.
1: Except the Muppets okay. guy. Yep. <laughs> That's incredible.
3: And like Daft Punk stole their entire look from the movie. Um, the movie was a huge flop, except in France. And by in France, I mean that Daft Punk loved the movie, and their best friends Phoenix also loved the movie. They took their name from that movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gotta love
1: it. That's yeah.
3: incredible. <laughs> and we're, I think, the only library in the shared TLN system that owns a copy. So. You heard that, dear listeners?
1: <laughs> yeah. Come on down, Hennepin uh, Area <laughs> District Library.
2: Blu-ray DVD combo pack. <laughs> <laughs> so glad we put Simon in charge of DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Cricket, why Pippin? Why Pippin? So, when I was a wee child, my sister was dating this boy who is now her husband, who starred in the our uh, high school musical production of Pippin.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> your sister's living the dream. She married what what she she married everyone
2: Ben Vereen except <laughs> because it was Holland, the Ben Vereen's character was white
1: <laughs> at the boy's Catholic school. That I did my musicals at. We were all
2: like in love with the leading guy, yeah. And your sister, my sister has done like what none him. of us could. <laughs> um. So we all trooped down to the local high school and watched him, and I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> so, is anyone familiar besides Mary Graham? I um, have no idea. Okay. So, is is this musical about? In, in the original Broadway production, not the high school version that I saw as a child, but um, Ben Vereen plays this like wandering theater mm-hmm. musician who's kind of breaking the fourth wall and singing to people, and he's telling them this story about um, Charlemagne's son, Pippin. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> it's just not historically accurate at all. Stephen
1: uh, Steven Schwartz, when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> what do you think? Oh, today I shall write a musical a heavily fictionalized account of charlemagne's son <laughs> charlemagne's son pippin
2: <laughs> who he doesn't quite know who he is he's he's trying to find meaning in his life so he tries a few different things would he- you
1: say he's trying to find his corner of the sky yes
2: what i would say and he like he tries like being a warrior with his dad and like battling and that doesn't really do it for him so then he tries like going out to the country and having a lot of casual sex but he's not like super into that either and then he's like i'm gonna start a revolution and overthrow my father but then he has to actually do his father's job which turns out to be difficult so he's like and then he like He's just like, ah, I give up and like falls in a heap of frustration. And then like this lady wanders around and is like really attracted to like his foot. And then he falls in love with this lady and befriends <laughs> her son who has a pet duck. <laughs> and um, and it turns out like, you know, he had looked everywhere to find his corner of the sky. And it, and it turns out like, can I spoil the end? Is please. anyone going to please? It turns out he just kind of wanted to be like an ordinary dude mm-hmm. with a stepson who has a pet duck just mm-hmm. kind of like quack, quack. yeah uh, just, you know medieval ducks say quack
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm I an just, english major trust me i i'm so curious about you said stephen schwartz was there yeah pippin this Stephen yeah schwartz. so the will that he spun while coming up with that plot was just like, all right, so.
1: He was like, we've already done the gospel according to Matthew,
0: two two sets. Yes, okay, so like, let's pick a historical figure. Okay, Charlemagne's son. All right, let's spin it again. Uh, Pet duck, we'll figure out where to put that
2: later. (laughs) (laughs) Foot fetish, nailed it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a lot going on, but the music is like, and you were talking about bumping out to your soundtrack. And like, mm-hmm. This was um, when I used to go to job interviews, like in high <laughs> school and college. I would put that Pippin soundtrack in. Nice. <laughs> the Morning Glow in particularly, it just makes me feel like I'm ready to tackle anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my jam. That's amazing. That is quite Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff would like us to move right along um, <laughs> to the Muppet movie, my other favorite musical. If you've listened to this podcast before and I have been on the podcast, I have probably found a way to bring up the Muppets. Um, I think you've managed
1: to bring up the Muppets even in like our super serious intellectual freedom conversations.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's important my hobby. hobby. <laughs> <laughs> my hobby is wedging Muppets into <laughs> topics that are not Muppet related. <laughs> Um, But in this case, yeah, Paul Williams writes some very beautiful music, mm-hmm. Um, a Muppet movie. I find especially um, Gonzo has a song that he sings around a campfire when their van is broken down by the side of the road and they're trying to get to Hollywood. Yeah. That song makes me weep. It is so touching. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. Um, there are some gorgeous songs and, in in, you know, Road trip songs, moving right along. You sing it with your friend when you're driving around in the Studebaker. The Electric Mayhem show up and, and do a song in a church. It's just it's got mm-hmm. everything, and it's so happy and joyful. Except the one song that makes you cry, but again, makes you cry in a good way. It's just great. Right. And- Muppets, and I Muppets. mean that's
0: <laughs> outside of Muppets, which are always amazing. Like there's something to like the musicals with the music that just really speaks. To you, yeah. In a way, that I've always appreciated. Because yes, there it's really fun to like ride around and like I'm gonna listen to the original Lion King Broadway soundtrack <laughs> yes. today, which I listen to often. It's and a really it's good It's really soundtrack. really good. But then there <laughs> yeah, are days good. where I'm just like, I want to feel something. I'm gonna listen to Hades Town and weep. <laughs> okay, important <laughs> question about Hades Town though: New York theater
1: workshop or Broadway recording?
0: I mm, both. This is Roddy's indecisive day. It's Wednesday. I don't I don't have to make choices. Everything is
3: possible on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I don't do this on the podcast often, but outside of it, if someone asks me a question that I can't answer, I would just blame the day of the week, <laughs> um, which is why you'll often hear me say it's a whatever day and then walking away. <laughs> so that is my... Why... Yeah, because I mean, the workshop version is so beautiful and... But I don't know. That's the thing about like when you get these workshops, especially because it's just Anais Mitchell like singing all of the music because, you know, she wrote everything. No, I was thinking about the live recording. Oh, you were thinking about, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about, oh. The concept album. Oh. Roddy has added in a third possibility to (laughs) be decisive about. Well, yeah, I, I genuinely can't pick. And then honestly, the problem that I run into when I see musicals too is that i will listen to a version of the album but then when i finally get to see it live the live version that i specifically saw that is of course not recorded becomes my bias for the musical yeah Yeah. um and that also makes this very difficult to pick
3: (laughs) i'm uh it's very unrelated to Town, but I did see Hamilton once and mm-hmm. it was uh, Wayne Brady as Aaron Burr and most importantly, not Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hamilton. <sighs> and I was like, oh, this is a- OK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: tried. Not recorded, though. <laughs> so hard to see that musical. And then finally, Disney was like, here you go. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. And I was like, one time was actually good enough. And part of me is wondering if that's because I was just like, all right, this is as much lin the as And it just
3: well, an yeah.
1: <laughs> hit enormous cultural saturation. Yeah. yeah. In a way that as a child, I thought I always wanted to happen because I was a very snobbish child mm-hmm. who was like, I basically only listen to Broadway musical cast recordings. Mm-hmm. And how come everybody else has terrible taste and listens to mm-hmm. pop music? And then I got to college and I was like, oh, pop music's fun, actually. And mm-hmm. I didn't hear all about Girl in its entirety until I was a senior in college. Oh, that must um, have been a moment. Yeah. Uh, one of my best friends was, was with me at the time, and I told her this is the first time I've heard Hollaback Girl in its entirety. I was 21 years old. She looked at me and went, you're like a little alien. <laughs>
2: That's bananas, Mary Graham. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, <laughs> but Hamilton, which I think per- my personal opinion is, I do not... I have some qualms about the politics of Hamilton, but I do think it's good theater, mm-hmm. but it hit cultural saturation into a point where it's like, I was apologizing for referencing it Yeah, in mm-hmm. conversations.
3: Yeah. Though, man, the stagecraft in that musical was bananas. I've never seen a stage put together like that before. Yes. It was yeah, such incredible. a staggering technical achievement. Yeah. It was the yes. first time Ableton was used on Broadway. Yeah. Everything else about it, though. I'm my hot like, yeah, take okay. is that the
1: superior liminal <laughs> Miranda musical is in the heights. Well, yeah,
3: um, but they're also kind of the same musical. Sh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Can I talk about my complicated Russian novel musical? Yes, sure. everyone's please. got nine different names. Sorry, oh gosh, Jeff, Jeff is, is showing us visual puns. <laughs> oh. We suffer. <laughs> we suffer, not unlike, not unlike nineteenth century Russians. So Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 is based on a single section of War and Peace, um, that is about 70 pages long in most editions, and basically there's a war going on somewhere out there, and Andre isn't here.
0: <laughs> and- Roddy you're sighing. Okay, Andre is probably one of like my top literary boyfriends. I am in love with that character. There is I love Andre so much. That's all. That's all I can say.
3: Potential <laughs> other podcast topic, a literary boyfriend. <laughs> yes, sound off in the comments. Yes.
1: <laughs> um literary girlfriends too, please. Oh yeah. Yeah, Andre Balkonsky, he's a sad boy, and he is also, sir, not appearing in most of this musical. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the the premise of Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812 is that there is Natasha, who is engaged to Andre, mm-hmm. who, as we just mentioned, isn't here. Uh, and she's basically in Moscow for the season with her godmother and her cousin. Um, and she is seduced by noted society bad boy Uh, Anatole Karaghan. And Anatole's sister, who he may or may not be sleeping with, is married to the titular Pierre. Uh, And Pierre Bezukhov is a very intelligent but very sad man who at one point during the musical is like, I've figured it out, guys. I'm going to kill Napoleon because it's 1812 and Russia is at war with Napoleon. Mm -hmm. And you may be saying to yourself, Mary Graham, What? What? a kind of sense does any of this make and the thing is it's a domestic drama in the midst of war raging outside of this insular very very rich society um, and it's also about like what is the meaning of it all yes. what is it Dear God, please someone tell me. And also, please someone tell Pierre because he's
2: very concerned. Oh, I can tell you. The meaning is to settle down with a nice lady who (laughs) likes your foot, whose son has a pet (laughs) duck.
1: Perhaps. But in this case, false. The meaning is going over to visit your friend Natasha after her attempt to elope with your brother-in-law has been discovered because your brother-in-law is secretly married and thus can't actually marry her. And you go over and have a single human connection with this girl you've known since she was a child. And then after she smiles at you, and this means the world to you, you walk out of her house and there is a comet. And the comet represents the beginning of new things. So basically same. Basically same. Duck, it's a corn comet, of the sky.
0: Natasha, um. we really need to talk because Andre is the perfect sad boy, emo boyfriend who's off to war. And she throws it all away for some greasy man named Anatole. And I will never forgive her for this. Listen, <laughs> she's like 20 and Andre isn't here. I know. <laughs> but this is also me talking about War and Peace, the novel, yes, <laughs> more which, than the musical.
1: <laughs> I And I read War and Peace after this musical. And the reason why I love this musical so much is because musically it's very, very interesting. It's sung almost entirely through. There's uh, only a single line of dialogue. And Dave Molloy, I truly do believe, is one of the musical composition geniuses of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has adapted Moby Dick, which I got to see when it did it is out of town tryout in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is just a feat of you crazy man. You did it. How did you do it? But you did it. So I highly encourage folks, if they haven't heard Great Comet, uh, to check out the cast recording. There's an off-Broadway and a Broadway. I like the Broadway one the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the most complete. It's got Josh Groban.
0: Yes, I love Josh Groban. And Josh is coming
1: back to Broadway and Sweeney Todd. And oh, I can't wait. And hopefully... (laughs) he'll grow a beard again because i think he had a beard for great comet and it's just my unsolicited well, opinion you know, i think he looks best with
0: one. i watched the beauty and the beast special and he still had long hair and a beard so i feel like he was like okay uh he looked at himself committed. in great comet yeah. and he was like i need to stick to this look and, and good for him a fan i appreciate it thanks josh <laughs> thank you you know you
1: did that for us specifically yes for Another me fun. Actually, Josh Groban, fun segue into another musical that I wanted to mention. Cricket is now showing us a photo of Josh Groban. Um, With a beard. With a beard. Another musical that I wanted to mention, which is a TV show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) It's a musical that is four seasons long. And Josh (laughs) Josh Groban matters because he makes an appearance in a single song singing his own name. And Rachel Bloom... The star of the show, the showrunner, and uh, one of the collaborators in all of the songs said to him the day they filmed, Hey, Josh, is this the first time that someone's made you sing your own name? And he looks at her and goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> he has had to sing his own name before. Crazy ex girlfriend is a. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful four-season show that ran on The CW. It was the lowest-rated show on television because people have no taste. And it's about, it's about a woman who is living in New York. She's got this high-powered lawyer job. She's about to make partners. She's having a panic attack on the street, and she runs into an ex-boyfriend from summer camp. And he kind of flirts with her and is like, oh, I'm leaving New York to go back to my hometown of West Covina, California. And it's just more laid back there. And so she quits her job and follows him to West Covina. And she sings a song about it. West Covina. Covina. <laughs> And then there's uh, multiple songs every episode for four seasons worth of episodes. And it's absolutely incredible. They're all original songs. They cover a variety of styles. So it's really, really fun to watch this show and go, "Oh, it's that musical. It's that person. (laughs) Like, just... It's I fun. It's really, really fun. fun Roddy, show. I think I put something in the chat recently with the Dream
0: Ghost song. You did. Uh, which is... And I watched it in its entirety. <laughs> and it's... And it was pretty It was pretty magnificent. Yeah. I don't know if you can get me into three, four seasons. There's four my apologies, seasons. Of a TV show, but you can definitely get me into albums for four seasons of a That's musical fair, TV show. the albums
1: do exist. Um, <laughs> And I'm having trouble thinking of what even... My favorite song would be because there's over a hundred of them. Um, but <laughs> the one with Josh Groban's pretty good. I mean, yeah, uh, it's Josh Groban. And I do want to give a shout out to Adam Schlesinger, who was one of the core writing team members for that. Um, Adam Schlesinger died very, very early on in the pandemic of COVID 19. Oh, Fountains of Wayne. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fountains yeah. of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that's. That was the first, aside from the people I knew who passed away of COVID, that was the first COVID death that hit me mm-hmm. really, really hard because he was a master collaborator and so creative and such a gift. And mm-hmm. I'm very sorry that he's gone. So thank you for four brilliant seasons of Crazy
0: Ex-Girlfriend, Adam. So,
3: yeah.
0: yeah. You just reminded me of another time that television tried to foray into musical is it as gallivant? TV. It is not Gallivant. Is it Bob's Burgers? It's worse. It is a TV show called Smash. Oh, that was about no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... <laughs>
1: Why, well, why okay. Are you doing this so to here's me? the
0: thing. I once again, Mary Graham, you have unlocked a core memory because I watched every episode of that first season of Smash. Yeah, I quit sure. after season one. When yeah. they said Brian Darcy James isn't coming back, I was like, then I've lost interest. Yeah, actually that was exactly what happened to me too, because if you are even vaguely interested in theater right now. You have Brian Darcy James. You also have Leslie Oldham Jr. And you have Megan Hilty. And Christian Borle. And Christian Borle. All in one show that was about trying to make a musical about Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. um, and the trials of casting and writing and all of the fun things about making that musical. And that was the entire show. And I enjoyed season one. And I just did not watch
3: season two. Is this how we ended up with the Diana musical? Like different blondes, tragic, but
1: (gasps) yeah, we should leave these poor women alone. Yeah, people should go adapt more (laughs) nineteenth-century literature. They absolutely should. Going
3: back into TV shows that became musicals that became TV shows that yada yada. I'm also staring at Roddy's SpongeBob SquarePants water or water bottle. Yes, and I have to say the SpongeBob SquarePants musical is a delight.
1: That makes me happy to hear. The actually-
3: casting, the stagecraft, everything about it. <laughs> oh, yes, um, Jeff agrees with me. Um, we don't have it on DVD yet, but I just realized we could purchase it on DVD, so nice. look for it on a shelf soon. Pearl has a great song
0: in that musical. Yeah. Um, Pearl is Mr. Krabs' daughter. She is a well, and he is a crab. Yep. <laughs> that is all the context I will <laughs> offer. Um, Beautiful. Uh, I have like a couple of other questions that I'm curious about, which is were any of you in musicals uh-huh. in oh, high school? Very oh, I so. honestly just wanted to go around as well. Uh, yeah, I know the
1: mu. I was yeah. My middle school was better than a lot of our high schools in our area.
0: Yeah, uh, I like, pick uh. one production if you can. That's fair. Um. Who would like to start?
3: <laughs> so. Oh, I don't really count because I played in the pit, I guess. You
0: definitely you count. count. You're the most important We'd be part. singing in a oh. silent room without you guys. What
1: did
3: you that play? That's true. Uh, the violin. Aww. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a favorite musical that you played for? No, because you end up hating all of them. By That's the end fair. Of it. That is
1: actually 100% <laughs> when they announced unfair. that Phantom of the Opera was closing on Broadway. I thought about all those people in the pit because yeah. there have been like articles written about them because it's a lot of the same people. That's a steady job. They all have their parts memorized and they all hate each other.
3: Yep. <laughs> and I was like, "What's
1: gonna happen I to would, the like... pit guys? They haven't had to look for a job in twenty years." <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, I attended a, a music summer camp in the summer in middle and high school. And so for the morning I would do orchestra cuz I played the viola and I actually yeah. I played viola in the pit of um, Bread and Roses. Uh. Is that a That's that musical about the triangle shirt? I was going yeah, to say yeah, that's got to yeah. be about a labor strike yeah, or something yep, exactly. Yep. It was um people was make musical really anything difficult yeah. to score. Anyway, so I played in the pit for that, but um at music camp I would be in just like background singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because um, I'm I'm not very good at singing. I'm also terrible at dancing, like a disgrace at dancing. But I can sort of blend into a background and like move my body in the same direction that other people's bodies are going in. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one to do was um, into the into the woods. Nice. Mm-hmm. I really liked that one. Did you do the junior version? It must have been okay. <laughs> Which is basically Act One of the actual Into the Woods. Yes. What about you, Mary Graham?
1: Um, so I was also in the chorus for almost every musical I was in except The Wizard of Oz in seventh grade, uh, where I was Glinda. Um, but my favorite musical that I've done was actually Joseph, which I did in 10th in grade uh, at U of D Jesuit High School in Detroit. Um, we did Damn Yankees the next year, though. Damn Yankees. I'm a, I'm from a baseball fan family. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's a great one, um, in part because someone wrote a whole musical about how the Yankees are Satan's baseball team, which is an objective fact. Um, but I think, Joseph, I think Joseph was the one I had the most fun with because when I was two or three years old, I watched the film version of that musical mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much on VHS that our VHS player ate the tape. Yep. Oh, um, nice. And it's just... It's another example of is it good, I don't care Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me. I think the pastiche songs are really funny and fun to do, and I still remember most of my choreography from the Mm -hmm. chorus line.
0: Nice. What about you? It was Oklahoma. (gasps) Uh I was trying to figure out how it was going to uh, lead into the fact that it was Oklahoma. I'm not saying it was my favorite, to be clear. We had a lot of fun in that musical as a cast because it was high school yeah and i remember being a little sad because the previous year i think they did bye bye birdie which i mean it's fine i don't Mm. like elvis anyway um but i was like oh that one seems like more fun than oklahoma <laughs> and yeah. um but we made although it. the most recent revival has shown us how much oh, fun yes. oklahoma can be actually i'm so We're i like, really wanted to see that recent revival because That's essentially what happens at the end of oklahoma do you mind if i spoil I it it's only been that,
1: around for like 80 years yes yeah.
0: <sighs> what are their names curly i think judd Jed, and then yeah the girl so the i'm sorry it's been years so what happens is the creepy guy who everyone doesn't like probably doesn't bathe his name is judd and curly they're like going head to head for you know the hand of you know this really pretty woman who lives in town and then it culminates into Judd being killed and then Curly and you know the main <laughs> lead get married at the end and, and they sings. just and kill they the smelly guy they, yeah they killed the smelly well, guy well
1: did he or did he fall
0: on his knife yes mm. it's yeah it's one of those mm-hmm. and then what the latest revival on Broadway did was that after he dies they actually have the wedding right then so he's still on stage she's still unfortunately covered in his blood because they, they were just, just like gone, I they, think. this is the time where someone was like let's take every musical that has like dubious lots of dubious issues and they're like let's make it dark and sometimes i'm like yeah that works and sometimes i'm like uh, do we need to do this but this was one where i was like actually Yes, I would like to see this. I'm not going to New York to see it, but it sounded really, really fascinating. And then I also like the vein of musicals that are like, let's take a dark subject matter and turn it into a girl pop band uh, musical, One, also known as Six... The musical, I've <laughs> segued into a musical that I really want to see because I've been trying to buy tickets to it for months. Fisher Theater, you will see me. Um, in Detroit, <laughs> answer our calls. Because, okay, so sixth, the musical, is about the six wives and ex-wives of uh, Henry VIII. And they are all trying to form a girl group and they are competing to see who will take the lead by singing songs about their marriages to Henry VIII. Mm -hmm. And it's like, The opening sequence is them going like, oh, I was divorced, I was beheaded, I died. I was was also divorced, I was beheaded and I survived. That's like the beginning Mm -hmm. sequence. And like I said, they're all songs about their marriages and about them as people. And they're and,
1: all in the style of different like pop icons. Yes. So uh, like Catherine of Aragon is basically Beyonce.
0: Yes. And also has one of the best songs. I will belt that song oh my on my way to work so often. It's so good. And also, speaking of other Beyonce references in that musical, there is at one point where can't remember her name right now, but the Lutheran wife who's like, Okay, ladies, now let's get in Reformation. <laughs> And I was just like, "This is Anne, amazing." Anne of Cleves, <laughs> yes. I'm just more like, rad than Lutheranism. And in I, I really want to see this musical so bad, and it's supposed to be here in May, but the Fisher won't let me buy tickets yet. Um, and This has turned into a very personal rant, but I've seen it twice, and it's so worth
1: it. <laughs> and I got to see it. See, here's the thing: is that like, it's the kind of show that you should actually see in a kind of grungy concert venue where the floors are a little bit sticky yes which is what the theater that plays at in London is like you go downstairs to get to the seats and they sell alcohol and are like you should you Wait, should bring so this overpriced ginger in don't with you map I don't <laughs> Cricket, I was too delighted to be there to ask too many questions. It's, um, it's, and then I saw it when it did like its out-of-town tryout.
0: <laughs> that is fair. I don't even. I will, fair. like, lift my feet because, like, we're talking about it. I'm, like, lifting my feet right now.
1: It's just like a uh,
3: carpeted room.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I saw it when it did its out-of-town tryout in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, and and it's still good. Like, it's a good show. But the vibes are very different when you're sitting there with a bunch of American American repertory theater subscribers going oh yes this is very nice as opposed <laughs> to like people in London who are like th- not singing along because that's rude but clearly they know all the words yes mm-hmm.
0: and also it's a concert style musical and which a I feel like you should be vibing to it as if yeah. it were a concert like mm-hmm. some of these songs you're gonna want to like like the jump curtain up and rises
1: and those women are like hello remember us from your GCSEs yeah. um, which is like there's a lot of like like interaction Um, and it's such a I remember the first time I listened to the cast recording I think my I just like I listened to it on a loop because it it stands up to re-listening really really well the lyrics are very rich the songs like the the music is very, like, yes. there's just a lot
0: Like, yeah. the people who wrote that love pop music, and it very mm-hmm. much shows in what they're, like, producing. They also apparently really love history because it's just rich with, like, historical references and pop references, and I was just like, this actually speaks to me on so many levels. And they have cause... really
1: good theatrical <laughs> sensibilities, too, <laughs> if... which is because you don't often find all three. Like, Andrew Lloyd Webber
0: enjoys a pastiche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't call them good. Right. <laughs> What are you thinking, Simon?
3: Oh, no, I was just going to say the, uh, the Venn diagram of musical nerds and history nerds is basically a circle.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually
1: will say, speaking in the vein of musicals that really, really understand what the music is trying to do, have you ever thought to yourself, I wish my musical had a bit more murder in it, but I'm not quite in a bad enough mood to want Sweeney Todd. Because, you know, Sweeney Todd, there is a lot of murder there, but it's very dark. You're like, no, I would like some murder, but if you can make it funny, have I got a musical for you? And it's called A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. It won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2014. And it is an Edwardian hall romp based on the film Kind Hearts and Coronets. Well, they can't actually say that. It's based on Israel Rank, which is the novel that Kind Hearts and Coronets is based on. But it's kind hearts and cornets. Mm. Um, as you can tell, I love this musical a lot, and I know a normal <laughs> amount about it. Yes, um, and I've definitely not read Israel Rank autobiography of a criminal, an obscure novel <laughs> from the Edwardian era that uh, is not in wide circulation at the moment.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's what you do when you really love something. You're like, I'm going to go find every single thing I can. The to number, the number of books I've read
1: because they are because there are musicals that are adaptations of them. No Mm. matter how obscure those books are, it's a long list. So Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder is about Monty Navarro, whose mother has just died. Uh, And his father died years ago, and upon his mother's death, he learns that he is the 12th in line, 9th in line, for an earldom. Mm. And that his mother was basically kicked out of the family for marrying his dad. Uh, And he's like, hmm, what if earldom for me? And he starts <laughs> killing people. He oh. starts killing all the people in front of him. But she's so charming. And the deaths are so funny. And these people are so terrible that you don't feel bad about it.
2: That sounds fun. That does sound wonderful. fine. wonderful. He's yeah. got
1: like a cousin or an aunt or something who's like a terrible colonialist like white savior type Uh and he keeps convincing her to go to all of these different parts of the empire where by all accounts she should die of (laughs) malaria or being killed by people who don't want to be colonized and she keeps not dying so she finally comes back to england for the third time and he kicks the gangplank of her ship out from under her (laughs) and that's what
0: does her in you know Were there any other musicals that like y'all really wanted to see that you haven't gotten to see or just, you know, something that you wanted to like throw some final shout outs to for me?
2: Sorry, I want to bring up musicals that are so bad that oh. you can't help but love them really quickly. Okay. <laughs> and give a shout-out to Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the feature film version. The feature film version oh. is a masterpiece. Where, for some reason, they allowed Colin Firth and Pierce Brosnan to sing songs with their real voices. You know,
0: <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, bless his soul, because... His training for that musical, if I'm not mistaken, was he was like, I walked up and down the beach and I sang to myself. Yeah. And, you know, you can hear it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's hear so it. bad. And I love it so much. Yep. But
0: there's something so heartwarming about Mamma Mia. And, of course, you know, Abba, you're not going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're
2: going to have a good time. Yeah. And yeah. also
3: there's something to be said for
2: sincerity. Yes. yes. So
0: you know? yeah. I I full Agree yes. with that, Cricket. Yeah, I
2: yep. just couldn't let this whole podcast go by without. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> that's fair. What about you, Simon?
3: Uh, oh, what like a musical that I think is terrible, well, but I love I it mean- secretly anyway. Because the answer is Phantom of the Opera. But of course, yeah. yeah. It.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know that this was started out with me doing my hot take because that's always what I do. Mm -hmm. But like Phantom of the Opera is a moment that I feel like every theater person has to go through. Yeah. It's, I mean, the music is good. And if done well, it's very, very entertaining. It's really enjoyable. But it's also terribly
2: written.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Am I definitely going to go home and watch it tonight? I am. Not no. the movie. The pro, the pro <laughs> shot. Not the movie. I'd I don't watch the
2: movie. Another no. one of
1: those
0: things you that's know what? so bad it no. turns the Okay, but- so you know how Pierce Brosnan's, like, braying in Mamma
2: yeah. Mia Which very, at least I we sure only have do, to Roddy. sit through yes. for one song.
0: <laughs> you very- have to sit through a whole feature film
1: of Gerard Butler sounding like I that. I know, and I
2: have, and I do it again in a heartbeat. Oh. <laughs> you know, what
0: I was going to say was that <laughs> with Pierce Brosnan, it's very heartwarming in general. And then with jar butler it gets very like it's very grating i mean it's just like okay
2: like there's also russell crowe and lame Mis. oh my god, god. Okay, okay listen horribly listen i again there's something
3: to be said for sincerity i am gonna defend russell crowe and Le miss oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah Listen, he's great as Javert. He's not great at hitting those notes. That's he's a very he's,
1: he acts it very well. He acts it I'll very well. That. And oh, the memes that I would not have. Yeah, exactly. Without Les Miserables. Yeah. 20, that film like, is, that is ten movie. years
3: old, Simon. Yeah, I know. How have we aged that much? I know. <sighs> Here's the other thing. No one should allow Tom Hopper to adapt a musical into a movie ever again. No nope, Yeah. Between Les Mis and Cats. Nope. And I feel like <laughs> Les Mis works as well as it does because that musical is so
1: good. Because the musical is good. and It also... like succeeds
3: in spite of his direction right. and the terrible while, cinematography.
1: While we are discussing this film, <laughs> Jeff... Jeff. We can't Jeff. let you be off microphone Jeff. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> While right. we're discussing that musical, I would be remiss if I didn't say, or the movie, mm. George Blagden as Grant here no one has done as much
3: for the LGBTQ <laughs> around yeah. community
1: as the man who didn't ask anyone but just read the book and decided Grantaire is in love with Enjolras which is true
3: yeah and Manon.
1: and just. <laughs> did it. Yep. You know, thanks. just did it. I
0: have to admit the fan fiction after that was pretty great.
1: It, being, <laughs> being, <laughs> being online as a Lame as a Rob fan in 2012.
3: When Tumblr was in full swing. When yes, Tumblr was in full swing.
1: And, and George Blagden was giving us everything we ever wanted. Sir, thank you for your service. Yeah. I saw that film three times in theaters.
0: I will yeah, never same. forget the silence, though, after Javere jumps so in
1: my movie. I know. So
0: you know. <laughs> so here's the thing. what you're watching, I'm sorry spoiler alert y'all Javert dies but um what happened in the movie theater was because i drugged my mother sorry mom to go see that with me because every time a musical came out in theaters while i was living with her i was like we're gonna drugged your mother i sorry i dragged her (laughs) i pulled her i maybe i used the wrong past tense of that word i apologize to go see that with me and i will never forget the awkward silence in that movie theater after he jumps where you're mm-hmm. supposed to feel feelings. And, like, I, people were, like, do we laugh? Do we cry? <laughs> what do we, yeah. do
2: we do? And I was well, like. of course <laughs> your mom was silent. You roofied her just to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm
0: going to, like, knock this microphone off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but speaking of, like, adaptations, I just wanted to, like, give some shout-outs to um, a couple. Because I know we don't have that much time left. Uh, that I really, really loved. And that is. The film version of Chicago oh, is yeah, a masterclass yeah. Yeah. in musical adaptations. If in, if I'm not mistaken, with also the same director who then, years later, went and did Dream Girls, which is mm-hmm. also a fantastic adaptation because yeah. what they did, what the director did, whose name I can't... It's Rob something. Yeah, I can't oh, remember. Sorry. Musi- oh, Marshall. Rob Marshall. It was Chicago was like, this is we are going to give you a stage in a movie sort of adaptation. Mm -hmm. And we are going to understand, like, this is a musical and we are going to give you all Mm -hmm. of the theatrics. So like when every character gets their side song, they are on a stage by themselves Mm -hmm. acting Mm -hmm. it out. And that's beautiful. And then with the Dream Girls, it's like this is actually a production that takes place in the city, they are out and they are about, but you get these great moments where it's like, but also this is based on the musical. So like stage lighting where like you see, there's this one scene where Jamie Foxx after uh, Beyonce's character leaves him, uh, he's alone on the street and you see each street light go out until it's just one in the shape of a spotlight over him. I will never forget that shot. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is a person who loves, and understands musicals, yes. it like appreciates them, and then you have Tom Hopper. <laughs> so yep. it can be done as a person who typically hates adaptations. Like Fibler, it can be done. Similar on the roof is another one that I think
1: is really an excellent film version, yeah. and to to bring it to. Uh, a a production or a musical that I would like to see and haven't. I have seen Fiddler several times, amateur, and I recently just saw it done professionally when it toured through, but I never got a chance to see Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish, the production Mm -hmm. that ran in New York and then kept running in New York because everyone was like, holy crap, that's a genius idea. Mm -hmm. So I would love someday uh, if that production ever returns to a time where I can get to New York to go see Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. But conveniently, my musical that's like, is it good? Irrelevant is another Android Weber, and there's a connection to the Fiddler on the Roof film because that film was directed by Norman Jewison, who also directed the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar.
3: Uh. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing Stand about alone. Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> is that every time I listen to it. It's like I put it up on an x-ray board and I want to circle parts of it with red marker and say, Andy, I'm going to fix your musical. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, here we can take out the part where you say Mary Magdalene's a sex worker because that's not true. And also here I feel like we could be blaming Rome a lot more for Jesus's death and not Jewish people so much because he definitely was executed by Rome. But there's just something about some of that music. And I grew up with the film soundtrack. I grew up with Carl Anderson (laughs) as Judas. Mm -hmm. Like... I can, I see a screenshot of the movie now and I can hear his voice. All your followers are blind. Like, I just, it's too nostalgic for me to not care about it now. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's, that's my hot take huh? about Jesus Christ Superstar. There,
3: there's like a long edit on YouTube of like every major film and recorded version of people playing Jesus hitting that Why yeah. No
1: the the, uh, the um, yes yeah. um, and it's
3: amazing you <laughs> should look it up but specifically there are two Lin-Manuel Miranda oh trying god. to hit the Y no, note not everyone <laughs> can do
1: Gethsemane is, my dude no
3: he you're he not cannot. one of them he definitely is not oh god
1: like even John Legend kind of couldn't do it but shout out to Brandon Victor Dixon who was Judas in the NBC telecast of Superstar which I watched mm-hmm. airing it on Easter Sunday weird choice NBC weird choice <laughs> That's I, a Monday Thursday musical if ever I heard one. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, the traditional day of listening to it also in my speaking
3: household. speaking of um, musicals that are bad, but we love them anyway, Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: I mean, obviously, there's a lot to say about musicals. And... I'm surprised no one burst into song. Um, not saying I'll that I do a, a couple. Yeah. Of okay, lines. I'm sorry. I'm
2: sorry. No one burst There's into right extended issues. amounts of songs. I sang West Covina with Mary Graham. That's Cricket fair. Did. Okay, and
0: I gave a couple lines from. I'm just leave deprived and, and have to short-term to memory. It's fine. It's all right. <laughs> but I would like to say thank you for listening to another episode of A Little Too Quiet, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to FerndaleFriends.org. Thanks as well to John Duffy for providing us intro and outro music. We would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. And please leave a comment as it might help us find more listeners. We will be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.